turning to the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 is where we'll be this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Most of you know for the last several weeks we've been involved in a series and the theme has been Buckle Up. And the big idea has been this. If you're a person of faith, you have a relationship with God because you've trusted Jesus Christ and accepted His payment on the cross, that you've received a position in the Lord. The Bible says we've been seated in the heavenlies. And the wording there is this, you're as good as already there. So we have a position in Christ. We have a seat in Christ. And so often in life there are events and occasions that could cause a person of faith to be removed from that position not in the sense of losing our salvation. Once a person's saved, the Bible's clear, they're forever and always saved. God is, is the Savior, not we ourselves. And so uh, that's not what I'm talking about. But the Bible is clear we can lose the joy of our salvation. The Bible is clear that we can go through life and not live up to the privilege that we have in Jesus Christ if we allow different events in life to, to pull us away. And so I've sought to be very deliberate in establishing a foundation for our study. We came to understand that Really, our position is in Christ. God views people of faith through the work of Jesus Christ. And we're grateful for that. We understood we are accepted in the beloved. We understood that we are forgiven. And that means to lift the weight. And Jesus Christ, when He forgave us, He lifted the weight of our sins from us. We're thankful for that. We came to understand that because we've been forgiven by God, that we now have the capacity as the Lord works through us to forgive others. And so the relationships in our lives can be all that they should be. Last week, for example, we took a look at Gideon and learned how that he three times brought an excuse to God as to why he couldn't do something God wanted him to do. But, but we saw that with each excuse he brought, the angel of the Lord let him know, listen, I've already been working in your life. The answer is already here. Our God equips us for what it is we need to do. And I want you to know that the message I'm going to bring today is the message that really put this series of messages on my heart. And... Uh, Yet I think the series is in order. I needed to cover some things before we get here today. But I believe the topic we're going to cover today, not only can it help every one of us here that would allow it to work in our lives, I think there are some here today, and this message can be the key that unlocks the door that you've been behind. I think the victory can come by way of what we're going to study this morning. I truly believe that. And, um, and, and my heart's heavy in the sense that all I want today when you guys leave is for us to have an understanding of how God can work in our lives in the times that we call tribulation times. The Bible speaks of that. You see, you have a wealth of experiences in your lives, both good and bad, and, and God can use all of that so that He can work through you. I was at home the other night, my daughter Julie said, Dad, can you help me do some homework? And uh, I did. Um, I didn't want to. It's in the playoffs, you know, and there's a good game on. She said, Dad, would you help me do homework? And I thought, well... All right, I will. And so I went, and she was doing some, some kind of literature work, something, and, and she said, Dad, what does it mean when people say the more things change, the more they stay the same? What does that mean, you know? Well, I'm a lot of things before I'm a pastor. I mean, I'm a Christian, and I'm a husband, I'm a father. I'm a lot of things before a pastor, but somewhere in there, that pastor always seems to bubble up to the surface, you know? And, and so I said, well, honey, you know, it's a lot like the Old Testament, and she was probably rolling her eyes about then. But I said, you know, as you study the Old Testament, it's just a cycle. It's the same story over and over and over and over and over and over. Same story sin and then suffering and servitude and and then supplication they pour their hearts out to god and then salvation god intervenes god wins and and they get the victory and then what happens and then sin and then suffering and then servitude and then supplication and then salvation it's just the same story over and over and and sometimes what we learn from history is that we don't really learn from history 
And a lot of the things we see happening in nations and in the lives of people, they're really repetitive. They are cyclical. And, and yet, why does it have to be that way? And I think the answer to that is it doesn't have to be that way for you or for me as individuals. We're not obligated to make the same mistakes. We're not destined to do the same things, to have the same failures. We don't have to perpetuate the cycle. But inevitably, in the course of our lives, we'll find that there are some tight spots. And the Bible calls these tight spots tribulations. Now, maybe you've heard the word tributary. We think of a river, a main river, and then there are tributaries, smaller rivers. And, and really, tribulation, as is found in the word tributary, it, it just means literally a tight spot. It means a tight case, a tight circumstance, a tight condition. Sometimes in life, we get in a tight spot, we go through adversity, and those are times of learning, and they are important times. They're the times in life where God will give you a new tool to add to the toolbox of life. They're a blessing. And I want us to think on this together today. And I, I pray that as we look to this text, the first thought you'll think is, man, we have a great God to love us that much, to allow all these situations to work together for good. And uh, I think we can be encouraged today. If you're able, I'd like to invite you to join me in standing as we look to God's Word this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I wish we could read the whole chapter together for sake of time. We'll begin our reading this morning in verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3. The Bible says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. I love that verse. The reality is, if all we did is read that verse today and closed in prayer, there's enough in that verse to help you right now, all right? He's, he's a great God. He's the God of all comfort. And that leads us down to verse 4. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Now, if you look up this way just for a moment, we'll, be, we'll continue reading in a moment. Uh, really, what we, what we get out of this text from this point, uh, we have a great God. Uh, he's a God that works in our life. He's a merciful God. He's a, a God of comfort. And the Bible tells us as we look on that God can comfort us in our lives in such a way that we can then comfort others. He comforts us in our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them who are in their time. God, in our time of adversity, in our time of struggle, in our time of difficulty, He can minister in our lives, but we're not to be the dead end of His blessing. We're not to be the recipient in the sense that we hold on to it exclusively. The end game in this is that we would share what God has blessed us with, with others. Verse 5, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. I want you, if you would, please, to go back near the beginning of verse 4 and just consider this expression with me. Now, the Bible says near the beginning there, in all our tribulation. In all our tribulation. And I want us to think on this together today. And uh, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you today. Listen, I'm not a performer. And you're not the audience, and this isn't a stage. This is a platform. I'm a pastor teaching the Word of God not to impress anybody because we're working together. There is an audience today and the number of that crowd is one. It's God. And I hope when he looks in today, he'll find me doing my best to share this truth and I hope he'll find a church family working together with a heart that's open. And uh, I invite you to enter into this Bible study with me today and I think we can be encouraged along the way. God, we're so thankful today that you are a great God and that you can 
allow things to work together for good. We thank you for this morning, and Lord, I pray that you would help me to be an effective communicator of truth. I pray that our church would be sensitive to your spirit as you were, and God, may we do nothing to take the attention away from you, for you alone are worthy of it all. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I love the opening words in our text. Our reading in Scripture began by saying this, Blessed be God. Blessed be God. The word for blessed in our uh, original language from which the New Testament comes is, is the word eulogetos. You can hear our English word eulogize in that. And If you went to a memorial service and somebody gave a eulogy, the eulogy would consist of some of the highlights and, and the good things in the life that that person lived. And so when the Bible says blessed is God or blessed be God, we know that the Bible is basically saying this, our God is worthy of praise. He's got a lot of reasons we can praise Him. That statement literally means there's a long list of good attributes behind the name of God. And friends, I am grateful to tell you today that God is worthy of praise. I want you to understand this today, that if you're here and there's been a moment in, your, a moment in time in your life where you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you trusted Him as your Savior, you're a Christian, you need to know today that our God's a great God because He's a saving God. He's a saving God. If, if you asked Him to save you, He said yes, He did save you. Maybe you're here today and you're not yet a believer. I'm glad you're here. I hope as we talk about our great God today that you'll come to know Him a little bit more to the point where you'll want to establish that relationship. But if you're here today and you're a believer, you can know this, God is great because He saved you. He's a securing God. That is to say, once we are saved, we're always saved. I don't have to live my life in fear that I somehow have done enough as a believer to maintain my salvation. God alone is the Savior, and I can praise Him today that He's a saving God and a securing God. I want you to know our God is a supplying God. That is to say, He gives you everything in life you need at the moment you need it to do that which He would have you to do. Now, He's not going to supply you to do what He doesn't want you to do. He meets our needs and not our greeds. But you can rejoice today in the reality that our God is a great God. He supplies us with what we need in life. Our God is a serving God. Now, somebody can say, Pastor, no, we're to serve God. And that's exactly true. I speak of that often. But I want you to know that Jesus came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. He came to serve. And we have a God that loves us so much that as a loving Father, He condescends to see the needs in our lives. And God is happy to get involved in our lives, to meet needs in our lives. He's a serving God. Our God's a great God. One time Solomon was praying as the temple was dedicated and in 1 Kings 8, and I want us to think of this together, the Bible says this, and he said, Lord God of Israel, there's no God like thee in heaven. There's no God like thee uh, uh, in heaven above or on earth beneath who keepeth covenant and mercy and with thy servants that walk before thee with all their heart. I'm glad to say there's no God like our God. He's the only God, the real God, the true God. When things are going good in life, we have one that is worthy of our praise, and that one is God. But then there are those other times in life, too. I'm talking about the times that hurt, the times of loss. I'm thinking of the times we'd rather not think about. The difficult times. What the Bible would call tribulation. And I want you to understand today that God's worthy of praise in those times as well. It's good for us to know that, to think of that. And as I said earlier, I, I truly want to just share my heart with you because I believe this is a truth we have to get a hold of because we won't grow beyond what we're talking about this morning as people of faith until we understand what God is sharing with us here. If you have your outline nearby, and I would encourage you to have it, 
have a pen there if you would. And, and I want us to see this today as we begin. God is worthy of praise at all times. At all times. And uh, I want us to think on this together. God is worthy of praise at all times. Now, as we look to the text where we started reading a moment ago, I want you to understand this. The Bible says, blessed be God. We've come to understand what that's all about, all right? That means God has a big list of superlatives behind His name. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. I want you to think of that expression, God of all comfort. I want you to understand this about that expression. If the Bible tells us that our God is the God of comfort in our lives, it is implied that there will be seasons of time in our lives that are uncomfortable. We wouldn't need a God of all comfort if we were enduring a life or going through a life where it was just smooth sailing all the time. What is implied in that statement is this. All of us will go through times in our life that would be defined as less than comfortable from our point of view. But in times like that, we can rest assured that we have a God who has comfort that is sufficient for our need. You see, God is worthy of praise when the promotion comes, and He is worthy of praise when the job is lost. God is worthy of praise when a family welcomes a newborn into their family. God is worthy of praise when we say goodbye to someone that we love in their life we think was cut short. And I want you to know that God is worthy of praise all of the time. That's what this passage is teaching us. Now, we must not think of comfort in terms of sympathy. God is not patronizing. In your time of need, God's desire is not to come into your life and pat you on your head and give you a piece of candy and give you some trite saying, some overused cliche, some, some colloquial expression that will somehow make you feel better. That's not the idea in the word comfort. I want you to know that when we see God as the God of all comfort, we've got a God that puts strength into our hearts as we face trials. He doesn't want us to cope with them, as we saw recently. He wants us to conquer in them. He wants us to triumph over them. Our English word comfort comes from two Latin words. If you put them together, it means with and strength. That's the word comfort, with strength. The Greek word means to come alongside and help. In fact, the word comfort is, is, a, is a word in the Greek that is synonymous with the Holy Spirit of God. When you read the word Holy Spirit in the Bible, it is the word comfort. And what that means is this. When we're going through times that are uncomfortable for whatever the reason, we know that God the Spirit works in our lives in such a way that He comes along beside us with strength so that we can go through the season of adversity that we're in. And I want to encourage you with that thought today. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're going through. And I don't know what you're heading into. And you wouldn't either. But this much I do know. No, our God is a great God who's worthy of praise at all times. He's up to any challenge we would face, and He's going to be there with us each step of the way. You see, the Bible tells us if we look to God in the rough times, we'll see that He is there with us. Discouragement comes from looking at ourselves and our trials. We need to look to the Lord. King David understood this lesson in his life. I want us to think of what it is the Bible tells us in David's life. In Psalm 121, he said this, I'll lift up mine eyes unto the hills. Now I'm going to read on. If he's looking up to these hills, and he'll tell us why, but he's not looking at himself or his trial, and that's part of the, of the implication of these words. He said, I'll lift up mine eyes unto the hills. Why? Because that's where my help's coming from. From whence cometh my help? And my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. David said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do in my time of need, my time of difficulty, in my time of adversity, tribulation. He said, I'm going to get my eyes off of self and off of all the difficulty through which I'm going. And I'm going to look to God because that's where the help that I need in life is going to come from. I'm going to look to the Lord. I'm thankful for that. God is good all of the time. And frankly, sometimes we forget that. Sometimes I forget that. 
I've shared a story with our church, but as we're kind of getting closer to our anniversary, I'm reminiscing on some of the old days, you know. And, and uh, I'll never forget this example. When we were meeting in the Harding Community Center, and our, our church was starting to grow a little bit, and the church office was uh, in, in our home, you know, and, and uh, I thought, you know, if we could just get a little something to help, place put a church office. And, and the building next to the community center became available for lease, and and I looked at it, and it would have been just perfect. It had a, a place for offices. It was exactly next door to where we were meeting on Sundays, a, re- a rented space. And, and we could have had nurseries, offices, and, and some classrooms and more parking. It would have been perfect. And over the phone, as I talked with the man and negotiated, really, we kind of had the equivalent of a handshake over a phone call. Yeah, Steve, no problem. We can do that. And uh, I remember we set the appointment when I was supposed to go and, and sign the lease papers. And when I went down there, he said, you know, Steve, someone else had already looked at it and they came in and, and I went ahead and leased it to them. Really, he broke his word. Uh, it, was not, it was not a good thing what he did. There's no way to sugarcoat it. He just flat lied. That's what he did. And I remember it just frosted me to no end. I thought, you know, this isn't right. I'm trying to do a good thing. And uh, I was diligent in this process. And that man gave me his word. And Lord, how could you let that happen? And, and I can't say altogether in my life, I thought, you know, I'm just not sure if God's good anymore. I, I don't know that it got quite to that point. But there were a few days there where I was just thinking, Lord, what exactly are you doing here? I'm trying to do the right thing. And it seems like we're just hitting roadblocks. And, and I was very discouraged. But it wasn't but just a few days after that that the first building that our church bought was brought to my attention. And had we been engaged in a long-term lease that I was getting ready to sign, we would not have had the ability to buy the building that we bought first that led to the purchase of this property. And, and, and I'm just saying this today. In that moment, I didn't know that God was worthy of praise. I didn't know what He was doing. But I've learned in the course of time that if I'll just understand, God has a little better view of things than I do. I don't always know if I can qualify something as good or bad because it's God all the time that's doing a work. Sometimes behind the scenes, I don't know what, what He's up to. And I've had to just understand this. God, I'm going to accept that you're good all the time, and all the time you are good. God is worthy of praise at all times. Now, as we move on in our study, I want you to take a look at the second thought. And here it is. God comforts us in all our tribulation. Now, I had to lay the foundation, God's worthy of praise. And the next thought is this. God comforts us in all our tribulation. Now, tribulation, this means any case, any circumstance, any condition, that pressures us. That's what tribulation is defined as. Now, Paul was writing in 2 Corinthians to a group of believers in Corinth, the church of Corinth. And they would have known what tribulation was. They would have known what pressure from the outside in was all about. It wasn't always popular to be a follower of Christ, especially in Corinth. They knew what pressure was from the inside out. They had a lot of division and infighting and even sin in this church. And and so there was pressure from the outside in. There was pressure from the inside out. I want you to hear this. There was pressure that came into their lives because they were followers of of the Lord doing what was right. And sometimes that happens. And there was pressure in their lives that came from sometimes stepping out of the will of God and doing what was wrong. And they invited unwanted pressure into their lives. So we think of this tribulation and the people that Paul was writing to. It was people that had tribulation really for no good reason that we can think of. It's not like, well, you had that coming. You deserve that. And frankly, they had some tribulation they, they put themselves right in the middle of. They kind of had it coming for what they, what they had done. Now think on that. And yet the Bible says that God is the God of all comfort and all our tribulation. There's no caveat there. We simply find that God's comfort is there for all of us in any situation in our tribulation. There are ten basic words in the Greek language for suffering 
The Apostle Paul used five of them just in this, in this letter. He's making a point. He's trying to say, would you guys listen to what I'm saying? How many different ways can I say this so that it'll be underscored in your hearts and minds? Paul used five of them. The most frequently used word is the, is the Greek word thalipsis, and, and it means narrow, confined, under pressure, tribulation, tributary. We've talked about this, under pressure. And, and as this letter was written, that word is used. It was translated as affliction in 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 4. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 17, that word thalipsis is translated affliction. It's translated tribulation in 2 Corinthians 1 and 4, where we are. It's translated as trouble in 2 Corinthians 1 and 4 and 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 8. The point I'm saying is this. Paul said, hey, how many different ways can I say this? I want you to know whether you're going through affliction, whether you're going through trouble, whether you're going through trials, whether you're going through tribulations, I want you to know something. God is there for you. And Paul knew what it was in his life to be hemmed in by difficult circumstances. I mean, this is the way the word was used every which way. It means to be narrow, confined, under pressure. And Paul said we're all going to have those times, and Paul knew what they were, to be under such pressure and to be cornered in life in such a way where you're confined that the only way you can look is up. And that was the word picture in this. It's being cornered and looking up. In verse 3, we learn that God is the Father of mercies. Now, mercies is a great word. Mercy means that God withholds something from us that's, that's not good for us. And He keeps things away from us that will tear us down. Furthermore, the Bible says God is the, is the Father of all mercies. That means that all mercy originates from God. All mercy originates from God. Now, I want us to contrast that with what we hear and learn and read about the devil. In John 8 and verse 44, the Bible says, You are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Now, I'm going to read on, but I mean, this was just straight talk right from the word, okay? Man, he, he's, he's telling them, you're like your father, the devil, and he's a murderer. And he, and he says this, and abode not in the truth, because there's no truth in the devil in him. When he speaketh the lie, he speaketh of his own, for he's a liar and the father of it. Man, the Lord is telling us, let me tell you something about the devil. He's a liar and he's the father of it. And when he lies, it comes real easy for him because that's just the way he is. And so I can tell you this today, something about the devil. You can mark this down. It's going to be spot on accurate in every situation. He's a liar and he's the father of lies. But I can also tell you this about God. He's merciful and he's the father of all mercies. He's a great God. And I want you to think of how wonderful He is. God can work in our lives in every situation. This is really important. It means that our tribulation does not have to be something that just happens to us. It can be something that happens for us. Now, please hear me today. I tried to clarify. I don't really care what kind of tribulation you're talking about, how it came into your life, why you're in the middle of it. I'm saying this, the Bible makes it clear that we don't have to come out of seasons that we would consider tribulation times in our lives and come out just as the victim that just kind of managed to, to stay alive. I'm saying we can come out the other end of these things better for having been through them because our God is that good. He's the Father of all mercies. I'm grateful for that. God doesn't dole out punishment in a punitive way. He isn't interested in hurting us. But as a loving Father, He's going to correct us because He cares. It's not to be feared in the sense of some angry guy that says you did this crime and this is the penalty and, and, and no really desire of correcting or anything like that. It's just purely punitive. That's not God at all. He's a God that is going to correct us. Let's look what the writer of Hebrews had to say. The Bible says this, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son 
whom he receiveth. Now, the Bible tells us of God, the Heavenly Father, he loves his children enough to chasten them and scourge them, to get after them, to, I mean, really spank. I don't know how else to say it. That might give somebody heartburn, but it is in the Bible, you know. It's even in the Bible for parents and the lives of their children in this day to be done the right way. So is God angry? No, it would be abuse then, wouldn't it? This is a loving Heavenly Father. And one of the ways you know you're a Christian is this. When you get out of line, there's a, there's a still small voice that says, what are you doing? I'd love to say I haven't done anything wrong since I became a Christian. I can't say that, but I can tell you this. I've never enjoyed it. Oh, man, what am I doing? Right? And what is that? That's God working in my life. He's correcting me. He's saying, you, you got off the path here, Steve. And uh, you need to get, get back where you need to be. God's correction in our lives is an evidence of salvation. It's an evidence of His love. I'm saying today that God allows seasons of adversity into our lives to teach us lessons that we could not learn any other way. Sometimes we're on the right path. And God says, I want you to pick up the pace. I've got somewhere I want you to get in life, so I'm going to let you learn this, this lesson right here. Sometimes we're on the right path. And God will let us go through something, prepare us for something down the road. And listen, sometimes I'm way out in left field. Maybe you could say the same. And so God says, you're way out in left field. I don't want you to be in left field. And because we've removed ourselves from where it is God wants us to be, we've welcomed chastening, a trial, into our lives. And, and God works that way. Whatever the case, whether it's God preparing us because we're on the right path or we're on the wrong path, God can use those seasons for our good. I want you to understand that truth. Tribulation. Tribulation. In the midst of tribulation, we find a loving and a merciful God who comforts us through it all. I like the way the prophet uh, tells us this, Habakkuk, and, and the Bible goes on to say this, O Lord, I've heard thy speech. And I was afraid. Sometimes it's a terrifying thing. I mean, if you remember as a child growing up, you've got in trouble with your dad, you know, <laughs> put the uh, fear in your heart. And sometimes we think of our Heavenly Father and in that sense, man, he's, he's my Heavenly Father and I, I just did wrong. Uh, man, I'm afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath. Remember mercy and i'm here to tell you today if you're a child of god he always remembers mercy always i want you to see that our tribulation is valuable it's valuable you know sometimes as christians we entertain thoughts like this why me why yeah. we think we're exempt from difficulty everyone else is supposed to get flat tires not me yeah. it's like the the pessimist who died and on the tombstone he said he had a, these words engraved i just knew it would always end this way you know Sometimes we kind of go through life that way. We're just, we're just upset in advance that something bad might happen to us. It's, it's not unusual when difficulties come into our lives. We're not exempt. Listen, let me, let me tell you something. In the course of my life, I know that from here to the finish line, I've got a few things waiting for me, and I hope to enjoy every bit of it, and I want to glorify God in the process. But uh, I'll have a few difficulties along the way, and, and sicknesses, and, and, and the, the Bible says rain falls on the just and, and the unjust. But it's not an unusual thing. Listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter 4. He said, Beloved, these are the loved ones. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Now, a couple things about that. First of all, it's not strange when trials come into the lives of those that God loves. It's not strange. It's not strange. It's to be expected. 
And I also learned from that that trials are many times fiery trials. Apparently there are different kinds, but in, in general, I think we think of that word fire and we can see how that fire would be used to refine precious metal. And God can use these tribulation times to refine us, to prepare us. And I want you to know that the lessons gleaned in times of tribulation are only a waste if you waste them. It's only a waste if you waste it. Now let's go to our final thought. The final thought today is this. God's comfort allows us to help and comfort others. Now listen as we continue reading our text. That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Trouble there. Same thought as tribulation. So we go through any trouble or any tribulation and the God of all comfort comforts us in any of our tribulation times and then we that have been comforted so that we may be able to comfort them which are in their trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted in uh, of God it's important that we understand this God comforts us in such a way that when we come out the other end we have something to offer others and friends this is the thought I wonder how many in this room are content to let history repeat itself in the lives of others because we don't speak up we learned that lesson already they've yet to go through it and God comforted us in our tribulation and we're not using it to help in the lives of others and friends I'm afraid that far too many in our church are sitting on the sideline because we've endured tribulation and we think well if I've had a time of tribulation then I guess I'm just not fit to be a part of ministry. Now, there are different ways to serve, but I'm telling you right now, one way we all can serve is by being a comfort to others in their time of need. I wonder how many have learned personal lessons in life, many times the hard way, and yet we're not passing them on to those around us. And again, I think we go through tribulation and we think, well, I guess that means I don't, I don't have anything to say. Let me illustrate this with an illustration that helped me. When you're born, your, your life is like a treasure chest. And the longer you live, the more experiences you have, and the more the treasure chest begins to fill up. Now, I think there's a big part of most of us that feel, regardless of what stage we're in, you know, I just don't know that I'm equipped to tell anybody about anything. I, I don't know that I know all that much, and I think most of us feel that way but you know if you've lived for a while you've got so many experiences I think you know more than you think you do okay um, maybe you're thinking of personal finance and you're thinking boy I just I still wish I knew more and more about that and then you talk with a young adult who maybe is just in their first job or something and you're like wow I forgot how dumb I used to be okay you're starting to feel a little better about yourself now well maybe I do have something to offer you're picking things up along the way that's how it works. You, you're gaining experiences. None of us arrive. None of us have all the treasure in all of the world that's needed, but, but we begin to grow. And the treasure chest represents the sum total of you. And the longer you live, the more treasure you have. Now maybe you're looking at the treasure chest of your life. And, and you're looking in there and you're thinking, well, what, what do I got in here by way of experiences? And and maybe you're here and you're thinking of a lifetime investment in your family. And you're thinking, you know, I've, I've, I've loved my family. Invested in my marriage. I've loved my children. 
And you're thinking, in my treasure chest of, of life, I'm, I'm thankful that I can, I can pull out this, this item. And, and maybe, just maybe, the lessons I learned in the course of striving to build a family that's honoring to God, maybe there are some truths that, that I could share with others. Of course, the irony of this treasure box is you can't ever give it away to the point that it's not there anymore. You can give it away all you want. And, and so you're here today and you're thinking, you know something, I've... I've learned a few things. Do I know it all? No, but I know some. I was talking with somebody recently, and they, they said, you know, your church, man, it's so diverse. It's just a cross-section of the whole community, you know, and, and uh, I like that. And one of the blessings in this church is we've got some people that have known the Lord for years, and, and uh, you, you, you've been married, many of you, for years, 30, 40, 50, uh, and more years. Let me tell you something. You've got a treasure. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't be the kind of person that sits around and just gets crabby and thinks, you know, well, nobody asked me what I think anymore. Why don't you take the initiative and look around to a younger couple who they don't even know how dumb they are. They don't know what they don't know because they don't know it. And you could take an interest in them and you could tell them, hey, why don't we get together? And you can invite them out for dinner and they'll probably be happy because most young couples are broke and just the thought of free food will just tickle them, all right? And get to know them and love on them and help them. I'm saying if, if you've lived to the point where you have something like this to show for it, you've learned a few things along the way. God has worked in your life along the way. Why don't you get uh, to the point in life where you'll get up off the proverbial couch and say, I'm going to get involved and share some of what I've learned with others. I think God could use your life to be a blessing to many people. Now, just as soon as I'm saying this, you know what? Some of you are thinking, but that's not what's in my treasure chest. Pastor, I'd love to pull that out. That's not in my treasure chest. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking of this certificate of marriage. And you're thinking of a pastor, I, man, I just, it didn't go good. Yeah. This is not a statement of condemnation, and if you see it that way, just check yourself. It may be your problem. From a heart of love, I want to say that one of the great pains in life going through a relationship that ends that way. I remember talking with a man in our church one day. He was in the midst of a divorce, and I said, man, I know it hurts. And he said to me, he said, Pastor, you have no idea how bad it hurts. But he does. And, and maybe we don't like the thought of an event like that happening in our lives. But God can comfort you in all your tribulation. And in the course of your life, I'd imagine if, if your story looks more like this than that, you could, you could probably find someone else who's going through a difficulty and say, let me share with you what it is that God's given me. Listen, I, I'm not exalting the difficulties we, we have in our lives, but I'm just saying God is great enough that He can comfort us in all our tribulation, and He doesn't comfort you so that it can go in your life and just that's a dead end. He wants you to comfort others. That's why He comforts us. Your treasure chest, you have something to offer. Every one of you. Maybe you're here today and, and uh, you think, you know what? We've got some great uh, memories with the children and some of you children, it's just your favorite part of life and, and you loved them and, and uh, your family just is a trophy of God's grace and, and uh, people ask you about your family and you pull out the family photos out of your wallet and you've got the big one, you know, because it's got all the kids and this one's here and this one's there and this one's that one and this one's perfect and this one is too and, and uh, uh, it's, it's great and you're so overjoyed about how God has worked in your family but... Can I tell you today, uh, that's great. But there are others here today who, when these feet got to become this size, they put on running shoes and ran far away from everything you dreamed for them. 
and your heart's broken. And when the family photos of others come out, your heart sinks. And you're praying, Lord, bring them back. And the topic of parenting comes up, and you think, I don't have one word to say. I'd imagine you do. I think you probably learned something along the way. And, and what we think is sometimes a failure that we just need to hide, I would say it's a treasure that God's put in your life. He can comfort you so you can comfort others. Some of you here today, you've, you've made a lot of money in your life. And if you've learned how to do that, hook a brother up, share the, share the knowledge. Because this much I do believe, if, if you built a successful career business, I believe you did build that. I think you had an idea, and you got there early, and you stayed late, and you worked really, really hard. And I commend you for that. And, and some of you have learned some things along the way pertaining to, to business and wealth and wealth management and, you know, stuff that I've even begun to think about. And, and that's a treasure in your life. God blessed you in that way. But there are others of us in the, in the course of life, and we're more like this. Somebody, somebody cut a hole in our bag. You know, where'd it go? And uh, now we think, yeah, I just have nothing to say about anything. How wonderful would it be if if someone who's been through a little bit of life saw a younger person making similar mistakes and said, let me tell you something. I'm not at all proud of what I'm about to tell you, but I just want you to know that when I was younger, I, I made some financial decisions that were unwise and extreme. And I love you and I care for you. And, and, and I, frankly, I kind of see some areas that I think you could do better in. Can I, can I just share my story with you? That's a treasure. It's a treasure. Uh, on and on I could go. I, I could talk about the capacity to lead that, that some of you have and then maybe the setbacks that others have had. And I, I won't even pull out the skeleton to, that most of us would say is in our life. And, and it's that one thing that we think, boy, I never ever want to talk about that. And these events may not be conversation starters for people you've never met. But I just believe this about God. If He's taught you a great lesson in the tribulations of your life, it very well may be that He'll bring someone across your path and you can be the one that will administrate the love of God into their life. And I wonder how many Christians are sitting on their blessings when God says, why don't you just share those blessings? Just buckle up, man. When turbulence comes, it shakes up the whole plane. But if you're in that plane and you've been on that flight before and you say, hey, it's okay, I know the pilot, God can use you to distribute grace and peace. It's always sad for me when we go through difficult times and, and that prohibits us from speaking up for the Lord. Now, of course, much of this is personal. I'm not saying we air our dirty laundry and things of that nature, but listen, I think it would be great if there were times where brothers and sisters in Christ would speak to others who are going through their difficult time and say, listen, let me tell you what I went through. And I've learned that this could be avoided if it is done this way. You can do this. If some of you money bad guys would get a hold of some of the younger guys and say, listen, let me take you out to lunch. L listen, some of you older Christians, quit sitting around waiting for people to come to you all the time. Go to them. Hey, let me take you out for coffee. Let me talk with you. Let me share with you. Let me help you. 
God can use your lives. Pain, trials, adversity, they don't disqualify us from God's grace. In fact, they're the reason we have God's grace. Grace goes to the undeserving. If we were awesome, we would not qualify for grace. Grace. And all of life is to be lived by God's grace. And I wonder what treasure is in your life that would help those around you. I'm saying this today. Don't die with your treasure chest full. Don't take all that with you. God and His goodness is invested into your life so that you can invest in the lives of others. You have a treasure in your heart and life. Would you share it? Of course, the greatest treasure any person can have is the assurance of a relationship with God. And I want you to listen how Paul speaks of this treasure. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7, he said, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and, and not of us. I won't read all the verses, but the context of that statement is salvation, the gospel, Jesus Christ. And, and he speaks of salvation as a treasure. It's a treasure, and it is. And we all need to live a life that shares that treasure with other people. That's a big reason why we have days like All-American Sunday. Why would you do all that? I mean, I hope a barbecue, you guys would come whether we have one or not, but it's a great tool in helping you to invite others, okay? And and this is just an opportunity, a day like All-American Sunday for us to say, you know what, we have a treasure. And it's the kind of treasure I can give away and keep it at the same time. And so I want to tell everybody about the good news of Jesus Christ. But maybe you're here today and that's a treasure that's not yet added to your treasure box. Friends, God is the God of all comfort. And He can provide the comfort of the forgiveness of sins and the assurance of a home in heaven in your life today. Just take God away. Would you all stand with me this morning?